Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato. Whoa. Joined by Joel Lorenzi, who threw me off my, my game because he's holding up a mini water bottle. He's sitting in front of a background that's the Golden Gate Bridge, even though he's in Miami. Um, my Microsoft Teams background is a beach in Miami. I'm sitting in my Oklahoma living room. This is a whole lot of details that you don't need to know, but Joel, how are you? I'm straight, bro. I, I, you, you got the Dan Levitar vibes going right now. But I should – I it would – it should be easier to find the Miami background. It should have been easier to get to Miami, which I won't go into detail of, but I, I'm glad to be here. A lot of these, maybe not a lot of these stops, but I'm finding some of these NBA cities, like I've never been to before. Like Atlanta, that was the first. Miami, this is the first. Just for my 30 seconds of being outside, like it's, it's dope. So I'm good, man. I, I can never complain, Joe. Can, can I throw a hot take? What's that? Not a big Miami guy. What? Okay, well, I, I could probably guess the reason why, because I imagine you're not going to live, but, like, why? Tell me yeah. why, Joe. I mean, I think the food is very good, and I think the the weather is fine. I do love the beach, but it's just a little too much for me. It's a little too it's a little too cool. Um, too cool? How you mean? my vibe. Like, like Starsky and Hutch cool? I don't know what that Thinking means. That but... reference. You don't know that reference? You're old. You're older than me. Oh, my gosh. Yo. Right. So uh, just to give a brief travel recap, because I find it somewhat comical, but you've been through a lot today, Joel. You drove from D.C. to Baltimore after deplaning in D.C., and now you're in mm-hmm. Miami. Yes, and uh, my bag is, I think, still in Baltimore. So, Or, t- you know what? Still in D.C. So. Uh, lot going on you did some shopping in new york did a lot of shopping in new york to to the extent i won't explain but i did get some hoop shoes some kd16s and that is my first hoop shoe i bought since the kd6 pb and j and for people who keep up with shoes you can imagine how long ago i got the pb and j's i mean that was 10 signature shoes ago for kd i got those in high school i wore those literally to the so the bottoms were falling off um, this past year. So had to had to get some hoop shoes. We got a media game coming up, Joe. So got to get right. <laughs> I will not be playing in the media game, but uh, you're weird, if you're playing in it, I might I might need Mr. to go watch. Mr. Too Cool Hotshot Columnist. Yeah, not cool enough for Miami. Um, before we get to Miami, well, we're not going to preview the Heat game too much, but the Thunder does play in Miami on Wednesday night, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Joel, I was flipping back and forth, full disclosure, between the national championship game and the Thunder Wizards game. I get it. Um, it was a lot of a lot of flashy stats um, from the game last night. I mean, Shea, Dub, Chet, uh, all go off. You know, thirty-two points for Shea. 31 for for Chet. J-Dub has a double-double, flirts with a triple-double. But, you know, maybe the defensive intensity wasn't always there because the Wizards just kind of hung around. But all of all, Thunder gets a win, and it's a a get-back-right game uh, after dropping the first two of this uh, East Coast road trip. To an extent. And that's, uh, like, in terms of the big three, like, I think uh, Shea, like, we're, we're... He's normalized at 35 and 5. Like, I don't even bat an eye. 
anymore, which speaks a lot to the season he's had. But the dub, 10 assists, interesting. The way he got it was interesting, you know, firing um, snappy passes in that second quarter, no-look passes. He even posted, this dude is hilarious because he read my mind, bro, because every time he threw one of those no-look passes to to Aaron Wiggins, I just thought of Magic Johnson in that chair talking about the dream team when he's like, hee, hee. And he literally posted the picture of Magic Johnson from that interview. He's crazy for that. But the snappy passes, the no looks, the uh, he threw a hook pass lob to Chet, which was fire. Like um, you really saw him um, just get more comfortable. If if one can get increasingly comfortable during the night as a passer, and they just expanded on that kind of. And, and Mark was like, you know, uh, we want our creators to to not only have a, a certain responsibility, but, um, you know, uh, lean into their roles as facilitators, which is something they've obviously, we talked about this, but they've given Dub a lot of freedom to do this year. So I thought that was interesting. And then Chet, the appeal with Chet's game that he had was, um, he exploded and it was on like minimal shots. Like he had like, I think 31 on, on 14 shots. And at one point he had him miss a three after like four attempts. And I mean, the trail three was always there. Um, he's shooting with less hesitation. Him and Mark admitted as much. Um, and he just looks fluid, man. Like this, that dude is just genuinely good and skilled and talented. Um, and you saw that. And why I mentioned that, you know, it was a get back game to an extent is um, obviously they did all that. They got a good Isaiah Joe game. They got a good Aaron Wiggins game, one of his best games of the season. And it still took all that to just finish within a few possessions of, of Washington. Like, uh, I mean, you can go down the line of what Washington's bad at, three-point efficiency, uh, free-throw efficiency. Um, they're the worst defense in the league. Um, obviously, they score in the paint, so they're going to get downhill. That's kind of what they like to do. But, I mean, I thought that the things that they were not great at, um, they did okay at yesterday. Like, obviously, threes and free-throws have kind of killed this team on this trip. Um, and some of the looks maybe like Mark even mentioned this, some of the looks – were well-earned yesterday from the Wizards, um, at least more well-earned than the Brooklyn game, that's for sure. Um, but the, the free throws is like, that's become a thing, I think, across the season, but it's just been really prominent this week. And so when you look at the course of the game, the course of the week, um, they did get back in the win column, but like at what cost? Like, you know what I'm saying? So I was honestly a little surprised with, you know, after losing two in a row, um, I mean, this team hasn't lost three straight all season. It still hasn't, but I thought they would come out and just lay on the Wizards. But it's like Mark had to call a, a really early timeout because the Wizards were just, yeah. you know, slicing right through the lane, getting a, a few easy buckets. And uh, like I said, that defensive intensity wasn't quite there. I mean, the Thunder shot, they had a crazy shooting night, 59%, 50% from three. And like you said, they, they kind of needed all of it because – you know, they they really uh, it's hard to get up for every game in the NBA, hard to get up for the Wizards and the Thunder's kind of at the point where um, they're good enough to I'm going to say coast. But, you know, they don't have to empty the tank to be the team like Washington. Maybe a fair point. But I, I also thought like Washington's chances were like serious. But a lot of that, I mean, Jordan Poole was cooking. Um, I think Isaiah Joe's late threes were really like the the first indication of like possible real separation late. And I just thought personally, like going into that game, like I, I agree. I, I thought they were going to wax them and to be 
you know, still wondering what story I'm going to write down to Isaiah Joe's threes was like, I don't know, man. These teams are all middling. The Wizards were the the absolute worst of the three that they played, which uh, says a ton. So I, I, I just thought it would look different, especially the team we've kind of seen. And I don't think they've regressed or anything. I, I just think that's part of NBA life. Um, but I do wonder what's happened, what like what was lost with the defense in this past week and whether it can be obtained straight like that behind, you know, a game they can get up for or whatever the case may be. I don't know. Yeah, and now, you know, they're going to finish the, the trip with a really tough test down in down in Miami. I would expect that's a game that, you know, is going to be easier to, to get up for despite – the Miami nightlife, which I'm sure you'll be in, enjoying tonight um, before we the know. game. But... Maybe Dub. He's probably a, 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 he's probably a live uh, VIP member. Uh, Dub, by the way, you mentioned the 10 assists. That was a season high. Looked up his career high. He had 11 in a game mm. um, last season. I, I actually didn't get to this, but I had someone send me a, a question the other day. Like, what do you think? What do you think of Dub is the primary creator when when Shea's off the floor? And, or, like, do you like better with, you know, a Giddy out there or Michich or someone else who can sort of shoulder that um, kind of creation burden? Yeah, um, I do think, for one, it's, it's been it's been good. And I've written about this, uh, but he just looks good in that role. He looks comfortable. You can tell he's really leaning into the facilitator stuff, like we said. And he really – what's been good about him is that um, he really can pick his spots. Like, I know we talk about Shea, the way he gets his elbow jumper to midi pull-up. But, like, Jalen Williams on obviously less frequency, probably half the fre- frequency, which isn't a knock because Shea shoots, like, over seven midi pull-ups a game. Um, he's very close, if not better in efficiency, I think, last time I checked. Um, and he's just he's great at getting to those spots. It feels like we've had at least a dozen moments where it's late in the game, whether it's clutch time or just a game that's like a 10 point game or whatever, where he gets to that that eight foot, 10 foot, 12 foot off a you know pound dribble and it, it's smooth. The touch is there. Like he knows when to go to those moments. And then yesterday you saw like the cumulative, you know, passing acumen, like just all of it come together. Um some of it was, you know, his pairing with Wiggins. Some of it is just really having that pop on ball. And I think it's worked out really well for them, especially as the season's going on. But I do think they need a secondary playmaker just because you don't want to live and die by dub. I mean, it's not going to be perfect all the time. I think that's just the way good teams are set up. You got your primary, you got your secondary. Now, whether that secondary is Doss is obviously something we've been debating and that we're going to keep debating till time ends or until he's no longer part of the Thunder. Um, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think in most in most good team setups, that, that secondary is probably a better shooter. Um, but Josh has shot well lately, so it's hard to make the mm-hmm. argument now. But long term, I, I think that's probably a better shooter. And, and when Dub plays as well as he did yesterday, it's hard to argue for, you know, continuing to see the long term vision for Josh in, in that lineup specifically. You mentioned uh, Dub's connection with Wiggins. <laughs> I think. Maybe maybe we'll have to do a study on this. I think outside of the the big three, which we're now calling Shea, Chet, and Dub, Aaron Wiggins totally fair. Might, 
Aaron Wiggins might have the highest approval rating among Thunder fans outside of those three. Everyone loves Aaron Wiggins. Maybe Kenrich Williams. Um, but everyone, like, I wrote about this last year. You're writing about this. Going to write about this this year. Everyone wants to see more of Aaron Wiggins. And last night is kind of a, a, a reason why. Uh, 13 points, five boards, plays 22 and a half minutes or something. I, I think you wrote that. You know, he's averaging, what, around 12, 13 minutes a game. Um, like 12.7. Yeah, so there just isn't a ton of opportunities, but he's – I'm not making a case that, like, he should play more. That's that's a hard case to make. It is. With, with you know, how well they've played collectively as a team, where they're at in the standings, everything like that. It's hard to close in the rotation. But at the same time, like, what a valuable guy to – you know, be your 10th man or whatever he might be on any given night. Yeah. Yeah. And I was asking uh, Nick Gallo about this yesterday because I don't know, because I think one thing you see in the league is, uh, you know, teams, especially like the team that Thunder will play tomorrow in Miami, um, teams will really lean into their undrafted pool. Some guys know they're probably better off going off to a situation they desire by, you know, foregoing a, a bottom 10 pick and, going to undrafted free agency. And so it's hard to really determine this real stat. But like I can't imagine how many teams are getting value out of a bottom five, bottom ten pick in the draft. Like this dude, it's unreal value because he's a real rotational guy on a team with serious aspirations. And I think I seen somebody tweet this a couple weeks ago, but like like the Suns, the Suns would probably kill for a guy like like Aaron Wiggins right about now. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he's pluggable. He just makes sense in a in a ton of offenses, um, and the value is insane. And like I don't, you're right. Like it's hard to, you know, dish out those minutes accordingly. Um, so I, I I I won't kill Mark like everybody else does. I mean the rotations are a constant topic, um, and his his skill set is probably situational, uh, more situational than people would admit. Uh, but I do think there is room. Like if that's like your one true wing wing like he's limited at the wing like i don't know there's there's probably room to you know cut off a few casing minutes and give him a couple more like you know cut off you know some of giddy's time in the lineup and insert him more like there's real there's a real pathway i think to give him at least a couple more minutes a game i i I don't know the pathway because i'm not a coach but there is one it's not it's not like ken kenrich is a you can't exactly just move Cambridge down because that's the backup five. Like it's, there are certain scenarios you just can't um, see, but there's a pathway, I think. Yeah. I mean, he really does a remarkable path. So he was a three-year player at Maryland, you know, good, not great college player. I did not know much, if anything about him, what the Thunder mm-hmm. selected him 55th overall in the draft. And I remember even from like, even Starley going into his rookie season, it's like this guy just, I hate to use the Shea line. He's a basketball player. Shea says that about everybody. But Aaron Wiggins knows how to play basketball. And like that is very easy to see. Um, I also think he's like perfect for this role. First of all, you know, he's a former two way contract guy who, you know, probably didn't have crazy expectations and like, you know, is is good with this role. Every player wants to play more, but um, his game sort of fits this. If he was the 
a, a lot of times he, he might be the fourth or fifth option out there. If he was second or third, he wouldn't look near as good, but he kind of perfectly fits uh, what they're asking him to do. And I mentioned this comp a lot, um, but he, he does have a good role model in, in Kenrich Williams, kind of this like sort of utility wing that they can put in a lot of different spots. He doesn't have a ton of size. Uh, he's listed at six six though, so you know, pretty good defender um, on the wing, and he makes really smart cuts on the offensive end, and is able to knock down a corner three, and that makes you a pretty pretty good rotational piece in the NBA. Yeah, he's a genuinely good player, and I I can understand people's frustration with you know his minutes or you know the Cambridge thing last year too, or not last year, last week to a degree, like I like I mentioned on the last pod, but it's just so hard. Uh, for a team that's still trying to address its weaknesses and iron out wrinkles, um, for a team to just realize, you know, it can have serious aspirations this year. Um, they're trying everything. They want to, um, you know, take every route. So maybe Wiggins is is a guy down the line. And and Mark mentioned this last night. He said that, you know, when whenever a guy is getting a DMP or, you know, might not be playing the minutes that people don't agree with, like it's not an indictment on that guy. Um, it's just, it's just really hard to you know separate these minutes. So I'll, I'll read the exact quote. He says, "The guy that's not playing. It's not necessarily an indictment on them. It's just that we think that whatever we're doing is better on that night for what we're trying to accomplish, short and long term. If somebody takes a DMP or somebody doesn't play a lot of minutes, minutes are constrained, and there's 240 of them. You have to divide them accordingly. You don't have unlimited opportunity. And then he goes on to say, you know." Aaron Wiggins is this pluggable enhancer on offense um, that just does the right things. And he goes on to, you know, insert this idea that I think a lot of people, you know, didn't like this quote. But he goes on to say, like, the times where he isn't playing or, you know, he's getting shorted on minutes have actually made him a better player and more adaptive and, and better in those scenarios where they do have to throw him out there in the spur of the moment. And so... I haven't dwelled on that quote a ton, but it is interesting, uh, just Mark's thought process, especially when this dude feels like, I, again, I don't know the pathway, but it feels like there is more value to be squeezed out of Aaron Wiggins. So so looking back, so his rookie season, it was year two of the <laughs> rebuild, Thunder were bad. In 50 games, he started 35 games, uh, which is kind of crazy to look back on. Average 24 minutes a game. Last season, down to eight, 18 and a half minutes per game. Um, mixed 14 starts this year. No starts, obviously, plays in 33 games. 12.6 minutes, which is basically he's dropped six minutes uh, each in each of his first three seasons. At the same time, though, and this is, you know, kind of logical thinking, his efficiency has spiked in that smaller role. Joel, he is shooting 60% from the field. And 49% from three-point range. I know these aren't small samples, or, or these aren't large samples, but this is what I love the most about Wiggins' shot diet right now. I am on basketball reference. Um, the percentage of his three-point attempts, 54% of them have come from the corners. And on corner threes, he's shooting 42%, which is a career high. Last year, he shot 29%. So that that's just like a game changer for his value. Yeah, just a, a really good complimentary player um, for these big creators that are really still looking to tap into who they are 
when we talk about Dub, I don't, I'm not sure a lot of people thought Dub could make this leap, at least this year. Um, and there's probably, he probably has another leap in him after this year. Like we will continue to see Dub, the creator, be challenged and, um, you know, expand his game and unlock possibilities to continue to push this big three thing and even push the conversation of, hey, can this big three do more things than the last big three? And I think part of, you know, the heights they can reach will be the kind of complimentary players they have around them. And I think Aaron Wiggins, for as much as we talk about value, especially out of a bottom five pick, um, just makes a ton of sense. He'll probably always have a really friendly contract, um, even if he is desired by other teams. Like, it just feels like a guy that makes sense for this timeline, for this team. And he's just, after everything we've mentioned, like, he's just super complimentary. Yeah. Uh, so. This this has been the Aaron Wiggins appreciation episode. Uh, we're we're gonna wrap up today with some rankings uh, yeah. from the Ringer uh, and debate those a little bit. I do want to mention that um, mm-hmm. you, you can go to Oklahoma.com and and, and uh, find our story on this. But the Thunder, in conjunction with Griffin Media, which owns News Nine, announced uh, this morning that uh, the eight remaining Friday night games. Uh, are going to air locally, free, over the air on ASBI Channel 52. So basically, this is going to be a preview of uh, the post-Bally world. Uh, games will Those eight games will not be available on Bally uh, or the app. Uh, they're going to exclusively be uh, on Channel 52 in Oklahoma City. Um, it's Channel 6 three i think in tulsa and you can even watch it in joplin missouri wichita kansas wichita falls texas so you'll find uh you can find all that detail but um it's going to be the same crew fisher cage gallo harris um they're still going to be calling the games just under a, a different banner for those for those eight games you can watch that in joplin missouri yeah that's pretty dope right on the border the guy 44 and- east and this is a good this is a good thing. This is a progressive thing yeah. for fans, right? Yeah, this is a like the Thunder is gonna reach more fans, they think, this way because a lot of people have been disenchanted with Bally or have struggled with the app or not running or it doesn't come on their cable subscription or they don't want to pay for the app. And now basically anyone with an antenna which I don't have an antenna, so I'm going to have to get an antenna, but they're only like 20 bucks. Um, you would just, you're going to be able to access it um, quite a bit easier. So, um, you know, if this is the future, I think the Thunder is going to have more fans and their fans are going to be sure. able to watch the games easier. Um, the team isn't going to make the same money they would off a, you know, TV contract with Ballot, but it's kind oh, of the blah. give and take. So yeah, be for the people. What what's what's keeping uh what's keeping the Thunder from doing what Phoenix did with the whole like handing out a uh TV set to everybody? Maybe not. I don't. I think it was an antenna. Actually, they got their own like specialized network or something yeah. like that. Do you remember that? Yeah, I can't remember the details, but the Thunder had all sorts of information. I don't. I don't know if there's anywhere we can get for for free antennas, but. Uh, John Hamm even he tweeted out that if you put like if you unfold a paperclip and put it in the like, antenna 
socket or whatever in your TV, that work. That sounds like you'll electrocute yourself. But yeah. John Hamm told me. I'm, well, has John Hamm, not the actor, has he tried this? Because obviously he had to be the test dummy for this, right? To, to have this type of theory. Or he's just being funny. The, uh, you know, usual John Hamm, not the actor stuff. So. <laughs> Oh boy. Um all right, so we got that out of the way. Uh Ringer rankings. You actually alerted me to this, but um everyone loves rankings. Uh we we have not compiled our top 100 NBA player rankings, so we're going to never will, but and never will. so we're going to look at the Ringer's top 100 <laughs> NBA player rankings and uh pick them apart, which is what everyone does, but shout out to the Ringer for um trying this endeavor anyway yeah joel himself shakers alexander is at number seven right 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 number six is uh who's number six remind me jason tatum so let's let's just let's just play a game who's better i assume these rankings year-round around the clock ranking of the players making the biggest impact on the league right now Mm -hmm. so right now who would you rather have, Jay or Jason Tatum? I think the starter team, I mean, you know, the, the argument is always going to come down to, oh, well, Jason Tatum has been playing in conference finals since, you know, since he came in the league, mm-hmm. right, right, you got playoff experience, he's been to the finals. Um, but it's really hard to compare that thing when when Shea has never had a serious situation until now. It was very much unserious before, and he's only been a first option for so many years. Um, I think if I'm starting a team, based on this year, I People will say, I mean, he's a 35 and 5, um, super efficient, gets to his spots. Um, I don't think it's prisoner at the moment to say that. And Jason Tatum is obviously a good uh, first option for a serious team, probably the most serious team in basketball. Um, but I mean, if 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 we're noting that Shea just got into, you know, a team with serious aspirations, excuse me, um, then then what is to to stop us from arguing oh, hey? Tatum hasn't won a ring. Like, what are we talking about? Shea could go to the conference finals this year, and then it'd be kind of in the same same boat. Like, what are we talking about? I'm I'm taking Shea personally, based on the season. Think, I I think Shea is better than Jason Tatum. There, Good I said it. Yeah. I yeah. said it. Bold. Um, the gonads on this guy. Hey, <laughs> okay, the three above and the three below. So the three above. Luka is number four. Well, mm-hmm. I'll just run through the, the the six ahead of Shea. Jokic, one. I think that's pretty inarguable. Embiid, two. No problem with that. Giannis, three. I disagree with that, by the way, but whatever. With Embiid? Yes. I guess okay, if we're so being who, prisoner who in a moment. At, who do you have at two? I guess if we're being prisoner in a moment, fine, Embiid, whatever. But it's, it's, it's Giannis. It's Giannis. Giannis was just the best player in the world before Jokic made it impossible to argue this past summer, so... Yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't want to get too much into that. So Giannis is three. Doncic <laughs> You're an B truther, bro. Jesus Christ. Doncic is four. Uh, Steph Curry is five, which I think is interesting. Listen, I am not going to say just because I'm like I, res- I, I respect the history of the game. Sure. I, I like can't, I can't that. bring myself to say that Shea's better than Steph Curry. But like right, these are right now rankings. He's had a better season than him, though. He's had a better yeah, season. Yeah, like I don't know. I think you could. I think you could make the argument. I mean, obviously, you can make the argument. The guy finished fifth in MVP voting um, a year ago. He's going to finish, you know, finish top five 
right now. So by that logic, I mean, doesn't Shea deserve the top five? Like if 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 everyone was filling out their MVP ballot, he would not be as low as as seven. This is true, and it, it's yeah. I I think they they probably have your Steph at five for the same reasons you're you know reluctant to push Shea over him, but uh. I mean, this as far as the season though, Shea's been better, and it, it's been really part of it is it's been really rough to see Steph in that situation they have over there, just the, the crumble, the demise, and he's just at the center of that. Not like he's been bad or something, but it's just really hard to to be held in that light when the situation is just what it is over there. Yeah, imagine if he was playing with Aaron Wiggins instead of Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Um, so Shay, by the way, is out of Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, LeBron James, which rounds out the top 10. Um, and D, D book being up in front of Braun is pretty wild. I mean, I know the Lakers are like black, but the Suns, hello, hello. <laughs> uh, next, ne- ne- next highest Thunder player is Chet Holmgren, mm-hmm. 38. Yep, listen, I. I would have to, maybe I should have done this before this exercise, but this is not a deep dive, uh, as I think you can tell. Just at first glance, that feels a little low to me. Um, really? I think top 40 is fair, just off the top of my head. Top 40 is fair. I thought I thought when he started killing the start of the season, I think ESPN had him top 50. And I'm like, eh, I think he's top 40. But if, he, if you put him top 40, I, th- I think it's completely fair. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking at these names, and you're probably right. My, my first quibble, they've got Shingun 33. I would rather have Chet right now, and I think Chet is better um, than Shingun. Yeah. They, they have Shingun ahead of Markinen, which I definitely disagree with. Right. Um, Derek White, Siakam. I, Pascal I mean, Siakam, at 36. Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, he's he's been bad. Um, he's been better as the season's going on, but I mean, to see a, a, a all NBA, what was he all NBA two years ago? To see him, yeah, thirty six. I mean, Jesus Christ, thirty seven. Desmond Bain is absurd, um, and maybe he is pretty good. Desmond Bain is Desmond Bain better than Lamelo? I know Lamelo can never be on the floor, but okay, off rip. I think Chet is is better than Desmond Bain. Um, yeah, it's just tough because, like, I mean, we saw Bain have to have a larger role with jaw out and now the the same is true um but like yeah like lamello is a better number one option than bane but bane could look better in his role than lamello i look in his so it is kind of which is a conversation we get lost in all the time like i remember a a podcast debating that kevin herter when he first got to sacramento was a better player than than dejounte murray just because (laughs) kevin herter had an easier path to it a good niche role in Sacramento than DeJounte had as a number two, which is a, we got to stop that. This, this is the same thing. This is the same thing that trickles into the Derek white all-star conversation. I, I was about to bring up Derek white. Cause Derek white is 35th and let's use Lamelo again, who's 39th. I mean, if Derek white was the, the primary option on the Hornets, the Hornets are still terrible. You know, it's like yes. Derek white. No one would be talking about Derek. Ooh, white. They're bad. Yeah. And, and no. that's not, a shot at Derek White, but it's just like it's so much situational. Yes, and and you know what, we can only we're only afforded to say, oh yeah, I I think 
Derek White's a better basketball player. He would bet he would be better on my team if I'm building a team because you're afforded the option to say, well, hey, he'll be second or third option on my team versus, mm-hmm. you know, LaMelo. We haven't even seen what he's like as a second. Or th- if LaMelo is second or third option on any team, I imagine that team is pretty damn serious. Just as I scroll the list, I, I kind of. I kind of take back what I, I like. I think Jets ranking is probably pretty good because then you look, it's like he's ahead. He's ahead of some Rudy big names. Gobert. He's there's ahead. A, of, there's a big gap between him and Wimby. Probably not as big as it should be. Well, he's Gobert is at 42nd. Uh, Jackson Jr. is 43rd. You know, Paolo, the reigning rookie of the year, is 44th. Julius Randle, who made all NBA teams, is 46th. Uh, Porzingis, who's just played out of his mind, is fifth. So um, it kind of is a tip of the hat to to Chet for how good he's been. And, and okay, first of all, Wemby is a spot ahead of Mobley and two spots ahead of Aaron Gordon. Do we really believe that after watching what he did against Milwaukee? Do we really believe Vic is not a top fifty player in this league right now? I know the Rieger isn't the Bible, but good grief, dude. Yeah, I, think, I don't. I think when, national people have been higher on Vic than me. So I'm surprised hard to see this. To judge. He's hard to judge. Because of the situation? Because they're as bad as they are? Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd take him over DeMar DeRozan, though. Give me a break. DeMar DeRozan had a really uh, that one good year, that one career year, but give me a break. Next Thunder on the list and the last Thunder in the top 100. Jalen Williams at 57. So the Thunder has three players in the top 60 to give you some context on guys around uh, Dub 57th. Two spots ahead of him, Kate Cunningham, OG Ananobi, one spot ahead of him. Uh, the three guys behind him, Fred Van Vliet, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez. So a whole collection of players of varying ages and and skill sets but what do you think of the j-dub ranking it's fair i thought off rip uh i would have said like off the top of my head i would have called him top 60 and maybe you can argue that he's been better some of the but i think uh again og is a great complimentary whatever option but Jalen Williams, i think you could better you can build a team around better you'd have it, it would just look more appeasing and then like Jaylen There's has so been, much more, you know, you could be more flexible with other guys you put on the court with him. He can just do more offensively than OG can. Now, OG is better defensively, obviously, but... Um, but Jaylen, they know think, he's not a defender to, to, you know, turn your nose at either. Yeah. And, and, and dude, like, Jaylen is this team's third best player. Like, I, I got to imagine, like, OG being the team's third best player, which he is right now, um, the the pieces would have to be assembled in a way for me to think they're a championship contender. He'd have to be playing next to you know two top fifteen, two top twenty guys or something like. He'd have to be like on the Bucks or something, um, which is like I'm I'm not even thinking off fit. I'm thinking of like level of talent and where Giannis and Dame fall in this whole top one hundred. Um, but Dub, I don't, I don't think those same stipulations are there. Like, I think if Dub is the team's best player, that that team, I mean, this team, is better off than the Knicks. Yeah, and you know, you look at the other, some of the younger names, um, behind Dub, like 
Devin Vassell is at 69. Hero is at 68. You've got MPJ at 67. Simon's at 66. So um, it's, I, I mean, he's he's in good company. I, I think I think all three ranking. If I would say like one, who needs to be higher? I I would I think Shea is the easiest to argue that he deserves to be in the top five because he's been a top five player two years running. Yeah, <laughs> to be fair, that's one spot. I think we could argue Chet should be one spot up because Desmond Baines right there. So. Shea, Shea is seventh. That's two spots. Oh, okay. I thought he was six. I don't know why I thought. I keep forgetting Tatum was was six. Hey, brother, I went to Mizzou for journalism, not math. Let's 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 simmer down. Also, when you go down this list, one this the ringer loves Emmanuel quickly, and I guess he could be around here, but eighty eight like that's pretty good. They also clearly love R.J. Barrett because R.J. Barrett's ninety. Jesus Christ. Um, and then I look where was I just. So for those who, because I know Josh Giddy was previously top 100, for those who think he should be, you have to ask yourself if he's more impactful than than Ivica Zubak because that is who is at 100. And then uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, or Bogdan Bogdanovich is um, at 99. Bruce Brown, which is a little confusing based on the year he's had, is at 98. Walker Kessler at 97. Jabari Smith at 96. Terry was there at 95. Is Josh Giddy better or more impactful than any of those players is the question you have to ask yourself. And the last quarrel I have with this list, or maybe not quarrel, but something I'll point out. Dude, Tobias Harris is 63 and Zach Levine is 64. I know Zach Levine has issues of his own and whatever. Like, Jesus Christ. What? Is, Tobias Harris has seen his ceiling for a while. I, mean, I don't think Zach Levine is necessarily getting any better, but I think his ceiling is better than Tobias Harris? Am I tweaking? Am I going crazy over here? No, I mean, I'm not a Zach Levine guy. I'm not so either, like, but I'm for sure not a Tobias Harris guy. No, but like, Zach Levine still thinks that he can be like the number one option on the team, and like Tobias Harris is the third option, plus the fourth option. He is the least important Jackson brother in the Jackson 5, for sure. Yeah. I I want to my my thing with these is like if we put together our rankings it'd be very easy to like quibble with with various things. So it's a it's a decent snapshot uh of where the league is um kind of right now and the Thunder is well represented. Um all right. My I have to leave Joel. So we're going to wrap this thing up. Yes, uh, everyone, please read Joel's coverage. He's doing a great job in year one on the Thunder Beat, covering a, a very exciting team and, and doing it very well. Um, so he, he is in Miami. Um, so go to Oklahoma.com tomorrow night for Thunder Heat Bridge, and we will be back with you on Friday.